Good morning. I'm digital editor Gabe Wisnett, joined this morning by uh, sports reporter Eric Boynton. Uh, we are one uh, morning removed from the NCAA tournament bracket announcement. Um, we're going to obviously talk about Clemson from the local side of things, but first and foremost, Eric, what's your take on the selection show and the changes that were made and, and Turner kind of reinventing the wheel um, that may not have been needed to be reinvented? Yeah, I think I agreed with everybody else, Gabe, that I think it was pretty much universally panned, and no, nobody liked it. Nobody liked the new format. It's always one of the fun uh, sports days of the year, the big selection show. Just unveil the brackets. Do it the way you've always done it. There's plenty of drama, and to draw this thing out uh, the way they did for a couple of hours and, and doing the alphabetical order and these teams are here, everybody just wants the brackets. So, so do your little lead-in, and then let's get right into the brackets and go from there. So I, I don't know of anybody that liked it you know thought it was any good i mean the interviews were fine with coach k and calipari and uh, and bill self and all that part of it but the main part is the brackets and uh to go ahead and mess with a very simple formula that everybody's always enjoyed i just thought uh now nah, i'm with i'm with the rest of the world i thought it was terrible yeah, I mean, it, it took a lot of the intrigue out when you already knew the 68 teams. You know, one of the big, I think one of the, the intriguing things is as the bracket is being announced, you know, you have these teams waiting and, and, and sitting and waiting, but, but that, that was all taken out of it by just announcing the 68 teams initially. Uh, but maybe they'll learn from that and, uh, you know, kind of go from there and maybe take it back to the, to the old way next year. Right. As you, as you said, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. It's a simple formula. It's hard to mess it up. I thought they did everything they could to do that. And, and I like to, you know, to go in alphabetical order, too. Once you're by, you knew Notre Dame, a bubble team, wasn't in once they got past the ends. And I, I'd rather sit there, you know, if I'm a fan of Notre Dame or even a fan of just college basketball and some of these bubble teams, right. you know, you're down to the final, you know, the final four games of the final, of the final region. And then you sit there in the edge of your seat. This way, as you mentioned earlier, Earlier, it's there was it just took some of the drama away, and, and no, I, hopefully they'll look at it and go, and eh, we tried something different, didn't work. Let's go back to what always worked." Right, and so we'll dive in. Um, Clemson, um, you know, we we had hoped that that maybe we would get a Nashville, uh, maybe long shot at a Charlotte destination for them, but they're going to San Diego. They're in the Midwest region as the five seed, and we'll play New Mexico State at nine fifty-seven on Friday on True TV. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, what do we know about the Aggies, New Mexico State, and how they match up with Clemson? And, you know, talk a little bit about that. Well, the Aggies uh, is, is a team that seems like they're always uh, in this tournament. This is, uh, they've been in, I think this is the sixth of the last seven years. I think they missed it two years ago. They've been in the tournament, their 21st appearance in the tournament overall. Uh, they generally have been a one and done uh, in the event, uh, usually around a 12, 13, 14 seed. But, uh, you know, they're always there. So this is a team that, uh, you know, has some experience. Um, they had a complete overhaul of the program this year, and it was interesting. Interesting. Uh, one of their one of their top players, Jamario Jones. I uh, read uh, a quote of his in the New Mexico newspaper where he said uh, after they won the uh, Western Athletic Conference tournament, he had said that he didn't expect to have a good year this year. They have they have a brand new head coach. They have uh, a brand new go to score, uh, a fifth year uh, a transfer student in from Texas Southern, uh, a guard by the name of Zach Lofton who averaged just shy of twenty points a game. And uh, and Jamario ta- uh, Jones said you know, we had new gear, new basketballs. Everything was brand new, so they didn't know what to expect. They went out, they won 28 games, a school record for the second consecutive season. So, uh, 
you know, this is a team that certainly could make some noise. Uh, Charles Barkley read on the telecast uh, yesterday the first prediction on any games he made. He picked New Mexico State in the upset uh, over Clemson. Uh, but they're a team that they had wins this year. They, they beat Miami in a Christmas, Miami, uh, Florida in a Christmas tournament. Uh, they beat Davidson. They beat Illinois. So they've, uh, yeah. played some big schools. Uh, they're very, very good defensively. They've, uh, they're, they're ranked in the top 10, uh, both in scoring defense and, uh, and they're, and they're also fifth in the country as far as, uh, field goal percentage defense, holding teams under 40%. So, uh, they play some defense. As I mentioned, Jamario Jones earlier, he's second in the nation at rebound. At 13.1 rebounds per game, and he's only six foot five, and he's not a thick guy. So uh, you know they've got some experience. They've they've got a lineup that features mostly upperclassmen. They've got a six ten guy uh, in the middle, Jonathan Wilkins, whose dad played in the NBA and who's a fourth year or excuse me a third year starter now as a redshirt senior. He's six foot ten, and uh, all the other guys are are you know upperclassmen except for AJ Harris, their point guard, who's only a redshirt sophomore, but he's a transfer in from Ohio State who sat out last season. So, you know, they've got experience. That They've been to the tournament before. They have uh, the, the edge uh, logistically with, uh, you know, New Mexico obviously a lot closer to San Diego, and uh, their athletic director was saying he expects that a lot of people could make that trip down. So they may have a little bit of a backing of the crowd, and we all know, Gabe, the underdog always gets the backing anyway. So Absolutely. they may have a little extra juice on their side with that with that final. I think it's the very final game of the whole t- of the whole uh, opening round. So, uh, right, you know, right, Clemson's, right. Clemson's it's got its hands full, and uh, you know, obviously, they're they're going to be heavily favored in this thing. If they play their best, they should win. But it seems like New Mexico State is a uh, one of those teams where some of the top uh, ex- experts that follow a lot of college basketball they like this team as possibly being one of the upset favorites uh, to knock off Clemson in the first round. And rounding out the rest of that Midwest region, you've got or on that side of the bracket in the Midwest region, you got one Kansas, sixteen Penn. 8 Seton Hall and 9 NC State. Um, 512 is obviously Clemson and New Mexico State. And then the 413, who the Clemson New Mexico State winner would play, is Auburn and Charleston. Um, you could have that Tigers versus Tigers, or you could have possibly Clemson versus College of Charleston, who is coached by Earl Grant and two South Carolina schools playing in the second round, potentially, if Charleston pulls an upset over Auburn. Right. That would be a very cool storyline, obviously, to have uh, have our two state schools playing each other in round two, oddly in San Diego. But, yes, you mentioned Earl Grant uh, is in his fourth year uh, with Charleston. He was uh, he coached four years under Brad Brunell uh, with the Clemson program. So uh, some of the older guys, like a Gabe DeVoe, he's, he was around the program when uh, Gabe, uh, I think Gabe might be the only one that uh, was there for that fifth year, uh, you know, when when Grant was still around. But you know, he's a guy that's looked very fondly on, upon by Coach Brownell, obviously. And Brownell mentioned yesterday uh, he thought it was pretty cool that they were both in the same region and could match up. So that would be a really really cool storyline uh, for us here back in South Carolina. Absolutely. Um, and so Clemson, uh, a banner year for them and a balanced um, big time ACC. Uh, didn't have Dante Grantham for the last 13 games of the season. Uh, had a great, great years from guys like Gabe DeVoe, uh, Gabe, yeah, Gabe DeVoe from nearby Shelby. Uh, put a wrap on their accomplishments um, through this point, and how does that set them up for the postseason and also for the future under under Brad Brownell that that maybe looks as bright as ever. 
Right, yeah. This is their first tournament appearance, we should mention, since 2011. It's right. been a long time, and even then, they, that was uh, Brad Burnell's first year with the program. It was actually uh, ended a run of four consecutive seasons. Clemson did get a berth into the big dance, uh, the first three, obviously, under coach Oliver Burnell. And that year, they were one of the four play-in teams. So they won the play-in game in Dayton, and then went ahead and were knocked off uh, in their opening game. But, no, you know, it's, it's such a guard-dominated game now, and, uh, and, and experience. Is, is a huge factor in this tournament. Clemson doesn't have any NCAA tournament experience with their current roster, but they do have all upperclassmen in, in the aforementioned Gabe DeVoe, along with Shelton Mitchell at the point, and uh, Marquise Reed uh, at the uh, two-guard, a guy who made second-team All-ACC and is the best pure scorer Clemson's had in a long time, a solid shooter and a guy that can really create off the bounce. So uh, with those three guys, and then you got Eli Thomas uh, in the middle, He's a guy that uh, really had a wonderful second half against Virginia in that ACC semifinal uh, in the tournament in Brooklyn a couple of days ago, and he he really cranked it up. He's a uh, a six eight six nine guy with really long arms, but plays even a little bit bigger than his height, and he's also a uh, in, on the all uh, ACC defensive team. So you know, with those four solid players, they don't have a ton of depth. You mentioned the loss of Grantham that forced them to go to some younger guys that would not have gotten a lot of minutes, and then they're still kind of almost mixing. In matching. Amir Sims is a guy that's played well for them. Clyde Trapp has played pretty well for them. So these are some guys that are going to have to be, uh, you know, get some key minutes and play play their best basketball. But the key comes down to just those three guards, Mitchell, Reed, and DeVoe. If they could shoot decently from the outside, uh, you know... It, they lost. Uh, they lost Shelton Mitchell for uh, for three games with a concussion. Uh, lost those games. He comes back. He's a difference maker as far as the pace of play. He's great in the open court. Really turns them, you know, into a, tra- a wonderful transition team. And uh, you know, so that that that's just big. It's going to come down to those guards really, really playing well and shooting the ball well. And then they have a chance to really, uh, you know, maybe maybe win a few games in this thing and maybe make a little bit of noise. But if they come down there and Gabe Devoe has, uh, you know, one of those one for eight shooting nights and Marquise Reed is uh, you know 3 for 12 or something like that, they're in danger of not being around very long, that's for sure. And the Midwest Sweet 16 would be in Omaha, Nebraska so um, you got a chance if you make it there, then there's a chance you're playing Kansas in Omaha in the Midwest so that will not be a, an easy easy draw for Clemson but like you said, they, they've got the guard play that we know is so important in this tournament to possibly get to that second weekend. Right, yeah, they play solid defense, you know, and, and that was uh, the big thing with, with uh, Brownell last year with these transfers coming in. Uh, Mitchell was a transfer, uh, a lot, Eli was a transfer, and so was uh, Reed was a transfer. So they, I really thought last year might have been the year, you know, the year they really took a big step forward, and for some reason it never quite gelled. They had Jerron Blossom game, uh, a former for, first-team All-ACC guy, and for whatever reason the chemistry just didn't work. Um, those brand-new guys have been practicing with the team, just, you know, they it just didn't come together for him, and the defense was lousy, which was odd because the Brad Brunell has made his coaching career on coaching good defensive squads that really like to to grind it out. The big plus for them this year is the defense is, is greatly improved, and now Clemson's a team that can win in various fashions. They could grind it out and play uh, in the high 50s, low 60s if that's the way the pace is going. If it gets out there and it's a, a run up and down game, more of a track meet, they've won games in the mid in the mid 80s. They scored. 
scored 90, uh, a, a season high in their opening ACC tournament win over Georgia Tech. So that's the good thing about Clemson. They're versatile, and they can win games in a lot of different ways. They're not one of these teams to where if you can if you can slow it down or speed it up, the one the one thing they that they don't like to do, they're they're not just dead in the water. They can adapt and, and play it various styles. So uh, again, they shoot the ball well. They should be able to uh, you know have a chance to win some games here. And real quickly, um, you know the the darlings of last year's tournament, South Carolina. Um, no NCAA bid, no NIT bid um, after that dramatic run last year. Touch on their season a little bit. Right, yeah, just disappointing. When you're marred by injuries, Corey Holden out most of the year. Hassani Gravit was gone for some games. And, uh, you know, if they got some solid contributions from some first-year guys like Wesley Myers and Frank Booker. Uh, but just And they won some big games. You know, they beat Kentucky. They beat Florida. They beat some very good teams. They beat Auburn. Uh, they were in some games uh, tight, but they just, you know, never – kind of really found that consistency that they needed and uh you know j- just a disappointing year a couple of wins away from at least getting into the nit i know frank martin had mentioned a few days ago that uh you know knowing they weren't getting into the ncaa tournament they were he was he stumped and was you know singing his team's praises saying they had the resume to go to the nit but if they weren't selected there they were not going to uh accept an invite to the other two uh you know lower lower tier tournaments and uh unfortunately they didn't get in lsu and mississippi state were the two sec teams that got in a little bit harder to make the nit these days because it's no longer just an automatic bid tournament they i think it's a pretty neat thing they did the regular season champions from conferences that don't get in the ncaa tournament get in so you have teams like unc Asheville, the regular season right. big south champs there and the the uh the florida gulf coast which won uh usc upstate's uh atlantic sun uh, you know, conference during the regular season, they got in. So not as easy as it used to be to get in the NIT, and uh, they'll just have to regroup. And I think Martin's a heck of a coach. And you know, I think the big thing now is will Chris Silva come back for a final year? Will he go pro? He's obviously could be a big piece to the puzzle, and he's their main their main building block uh, at least for next year as far as trying to get back to the NCAA's. Yeah, and and speaking of those tournaments that were uh, that are a tier down from. The NIT, we found out, I guess, late last night that Wofford will be in the College Insider Tournament. They'll have a bye in that tournament, and their game date opponent will be to be announced based on who wins in the first round in that tournament. So good good for Wofford to have a chance to keep playing after a, a solid season on their end. Um, we'll move on quickly. Also, the South Carolina women will know their fate tonight. Uh, the Lady Gamecocks also with a uh, just a, a crazy run last year to win it all. Um, they're going to be back in a in a in a prominent spot. How do you feel um, about the Lady Lady Gamecocks this year? Right. Whenever you have Asia Wilson, you get a chance to win games. You know, and she could take over a game by herself. Uh, arguably, uh, I don't even know if, it's, if there's an argument to be made that she's not the best women's women's player in the country right now. And uh, you know, they they just came off an unprecedented fourth consecutive SEC tournament championship. They handed Mississippi State, the team that knocked UConn out last year, and the team right. the Gamecocks beat for the national title last year. Uh, they handed Mississippi State their very first loss of the season to win the SEC championship. So, you know, they, they've been a number one seed the last four years uh, before the before the national championship. They had two sweet 16s and a final four the previous three years. Uh, that that win over at Mississippi State and that moved them off the bubble. They might have even been possibly uh, the best 
three seed, but uh, I think that win, you know, clinched a, a second seed for them. They won't be a number one, but if they can get, but they'll be a number two seed. They'll be set up. The only problem is if you look at a few of the experts, they uh, the, the the brackets that I've seen, the mock brackets, just you know, the get playing the guessing game. They have them as the two seed playing in Albany, and they'd be in the same region as number one and undefeated Connecticut. So that's right. tough. You you know, you they beat you know they they could beat Connecticut. They lost to them earlier this year. The Connecticut handled them uh, pretty easily in Columbia. But you know, you'd really rather, and I don't think any school would be afraid to admit this. You, you'd rather get to the Final Four and see Connecticut there than have to beat Connecticut to get to the Final Four. So, and that's not anything set in stone. They could be, you know they could wind up in one of the other three regions. But uh, look for the Gamecocks after another great season to get a number two seed, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. All right, so switching back to the men's side. Give me your final four and who you have winning it all. Um, and we'll go ahead and say that these <laughs> may not be our official picks, but that they are our um, first look picks. We'll say that. Yeah, just a quick scan, not really having uh, gone full in depth into it. I've got uh, I've got Villanova coming out of the East. I've got uh, Duke uh, over number one Kansas uh, coming out of the Midwest. The West region, uh, it's just so hard to go back-to-back. You can see it looks like North Carolina could be set up to make a run there. Uh, I just don't like Xavier as the one seed. You've got Gonzaga as the four. But I'm going to go ahead and go Michigan from the third seed coming out of the West there. Uh, Just they've been playing well at the end of the year, won the Big Ten tournament. They've had a week off with the Big Ten, having played, uh, you know, a week earlier than everybody else and finished their year. And then, uh, you know, in the South region, Virginia's awfully good, but if you can make some shots, it's easier said than done I, I it just seems like virginia every year have these great defensive teams and they don't they don't do much in the ncaa tournament so uh while you know i could switch and possibly go over to them uh i'm going to go ahead and go arizona the fourth seed to uh to get out of there and you know a team that's been you know kind of marred a little bit by the cloud of the uh of the fbi investigation and they've been uh a, a main per you know, main team with their head coach Sean Miller named there, but I look for Arizona maybe to put all that behind them and uh, and 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 get that uh, get that Final Four berth out of the South. It's a tricky year. I mean, it's it's a year where the you could see the one seeds and the two seeds and and chalk playing out, but you could also see some some pretty significant upsets. Um, I like Villanova, Duke, North Carolina, and Arizona. I like. Duke over Arizona in the championship. I'm going to go with those those youngsters from Duke um, with Grayson Allen. You know, from a prediction standpoint, I think he's going to find his hot hand again and and uh, ride Duke to another championship. So, but again, that that may not be my official pick, and we'll we'll kind of see how it goes once we start evaluating a little bit closer. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this morning. Um, you know, check check go upstate for more Clemson coverage and of course South Carolina women as they begin their NCAA tournament runs. Thanks.